0: I just waved What'd she say <laughs> She said no <laughs> <laughs> so Let me grab my
1: napkin real quick I'll be right back What are you eating He won't tell me He ain't gonna tell me what he eating He walking away got a napkin He's sitting down putting a napkin in his lap Looking all fancy Putting his headphones back on Now you can hear what I'm saying
0: There's a chocolate chocolate chip <laughs>
1: cookies <laughs> Here I thought Jake was about to eat a meal of food. (laughs) It's a dessert of food. He has a fork and knife. In each hand. And mayonnaise. In each hand. In each hand. Welcome to Super Duperstitious. The paranormal podcast about the science behind the spooky and the strange. Ooh, I'm Wyatt. I'm Jake. And we are at long last in a window of free time. Wide enough that we were able to screw our heads on and do the damn thing.
0: If ever there were time to say, we're back, this is it.
1: Well, my journey in life is to dissatisfy you. <laughs>
0: and so um, far you are
1: succeeding
0: <laughs> beyond your wildest dreams. <laughs> Also today, I think the day comes out, if I edit it on time, is St. Patrick's Day. a so happy St. Patrick's Day, people. Yeah, da, da,
1: da, 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 da. Right? Probably. <laughs> anyway, happy St. Patrick's Day. There is a road race in Holyoke near my apartment. Did
0: you know my brother-in-law is from Holyoke? Really? Yes, Timothy, who you have not yet met, but hopefully will someday Timothar. soon. Well, that's cool. Yes.
1: Another happy valley. Shout out to Timmy, who does not listen to the show. Oh yes, a very loud shout out to him, indeed. In that case, yeah, shout out
0: loud enough for him to hear from Kayla's uh, headphones, I guess. Yes, yeah, Tim. <laughs> um, so any any does he go by you, Tim? He does Tim, Timmy, Timothy, I think. Timothy,
1: Sometimes. the Mothman. T i m thy probably. Which I guess would just be Timthy. <laughs>
0: Anyway, this is a show where we talk about uh, paranormal things, strange things uh, from a scientific perspective, which you can clearly tell.
1: Yes, we both have strong backgrounds in the sciences, despite what it may sound like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we also have strong backgrounds in being absolutely exhausted and uh, loopy yes. as hell, so that, that thing yes. comes across more clearly.
1: And we have strong backgrounds in being friends.
0: Yeah. Uh, the and loopiness part. Oh, huh? Go on. Like I said, Lupin's part has really manifested these last couple of episodes in our, at the end of the episode, just saying a thing that the next one will be about. Oh, and uh, last time, you said, what, Wyatt?
1: Calendar stuff or something like you just this. You said
0: calendars. You just, uh, said, just calendars. said
1: calendars.
0: So, well, you know. The timing, uh, we, we didn't mean for it. I mean, uh, we totally on purpose meant for that to um, imply that it would be an entire calendar year before the next episode came out (laughs) (laughs) no it's about a month later we're doing this one it's on a holiday it would make more sense for the episode to be about that holiday but no we're talking about something to do with calendars today
1: let this be a character portrait of the two of us if you're just (laughs) getting to know the show that when we set out to do a thing we fucking do it eventually and no matter how dumb yes Yes, it may take a while. Life may get in the way, but if we think of something stupid to do,
0: you better believe we're gonna do it. <laughs> and so, speaking
1: of something
0: stupid, it's your yeah. turn first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the uh, the reminder. Well, before I jump into my topic, I must have cursed. <laughs> I must have I must have cursed. Mention four phantoms. The Groovy and Growing Brewery in Western Massachusetts, which, Jake, can you say it with me as you eat your cookie? Incorporates Big Tank, Smoke Monster, um, Amplifier Acoustics, botany Moisture, and Yeast um, to make... You know... There's no other way to say it. Beer. God, <laughs> I'm looking for another word. <laughs> you just can't find one. If you listen closely, you would hear me flipping through a thesaurus just there. That's right. If you're in... The New England area, not the old, and want to buy a beer, consider buying Four Phantoms. Here's some more Four Phantoms news. More Phantoms? For any of our local listeners, local to New England, at least through, through the end of the month of March 2022. Why, Why? that's right now. Four Phantoms has some fresh brews coming out in this month. At long last, we will enjoy the arrival of their double IPA, Orb Lord. Ooh. And it sounds like this may be out in time. If so, they will be throwing a release party all this weekend, Thursday the 17th through Sunday the 20th, to celebrate the arrival of the Orb Lord. You look like you're about to say something, Jake.
0: Yeah, I I remember you first brought up Orb
1: Lord a while back. I was wondering if it was anything to do
0: with that meme I think that's been going around of like that illustration of I want to say Saruman Andre in
1: his orb. Yes, I believe it does. Excellent. Maybe IPA stands for I ponder a lot. March twenty fourth, they'll host I their arb. D and what? I ponder arb. I ponder arb. Oh yeah, a. <sighs> I'm sorry, March twenty fourth, they'll host their D and D one shot. Sign up online. Then head right back over again for March 27th for Four Phantoms' latest Sunday Bunday with Bao from Lola. That's so good. And come right back over again for their free bacon night, March 31st. Get your bacon while supplies last. And otherwise, if you're free and just want some truly great beer brewed locally, swing them by and let them know we sent you. And now to turn towards what has been a stinging, burning hot sty. <laughs> calendars. <laughs> um, my my segment today is a topic that I'm sure Jake will have done as well or better on. Mm-mm. But I'm doing it anyways. Have you ever heard of the Antikythera? Uh, <laughs> right out of the gates. So far, so good. <laughs> The Antikythera Mechanism, Jake? Why, yes. I believe we mentioned it I very know you po- have. Okay. I'm sorry. Jake mentioned this back in episode 66? Sure. 69 something. The Ancient Technologies episode yeah. of a thousand years ago. He, he understandably held back from talking about it then, but it is a very cool topic. And I will... Tell the story to anyone out there who does not know it by way of using Gina DeMiro, Joe Marchant, and Tony Freeth's articles all smashed together into one abridged and stitched abomination. Oh, you're right. That's episode 66. Wow. Look at that. You clever devil. Ah. And those are from All That's Interesting, Smithsonian Mag, and Scientific American, respectively. In the year 1900, diver Elias Stadiatis, clad in a copper and brass helmet and a heavy canvas suit, emerged from the sea, shaking in fear and mumbling about a, quote, heap of dead, naked people. He was among a group of Greek divers from the eastern Mediterranean island of Shimi. I'm mispronouncing everything. I apologize. Who were searching for natural sponges. They had sheltered from a violent storm near the tiny island of Antikythera. Antikythera? Antikythera. I should have looked you this know, up.
0: I always thought it Antikythera, but I think it's worth checking it for sure.
1: Antikythera. 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 There it is. Cool. We heard it here first. They had sheltered from a violent storm near the tiny island of Antikythera between Crete and mainland Greece. When the storm subsided, they dived for sponges and chanced on a shipwreck full of Greek treasures. The most significant wreck from the ancient world to have been found up to that point. The quote-unquote dead naked people were marble sculptures scattered on the sea floor, along with many other artifacts. Soon after, their discovery prompted the first major underwater archaeological dig in history. Dive after Thrilling dive revealed statues, gold jewelry, and coins. But the divers also surfaced a few lumps of bronze. Though initially overlooked, these unassuming pieces were actually the wreck's greatest treasure. Now housed at the National Archaeological Museum in Athens, they are all shades of green, from emerald to forest, after 2,000 years under the sea. I understand life is both better and wetter. Yes. From a distance right, nah, they I look like <laughs> I fucked it
0: up. I I understand
1: life is better down where it's wetter. Where it's wetter. Yes. I was thinking to myself, I'm sure he means down where it's wetter. I did. Damn it. Um under the sea. <laughs> 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 oh, no. <laughs> uh, From a distance, they look like rocks with patches of mold. Get closer, though, and the sight is stunning. Crammed inside, obscured by corrosion, are traces of technology that appear utterly modern. Gears with neat triangular teeth, just like the inside of a clock, they say, and a ring divided into degrees, like a protractor used in school. Do we all remember protractors? Yeah, I wonder if those are still, they must still be used in math class or something. Mm -hmm. Surely Nothing else like this has ever Been discovered from antiquity Nothing as sophisticated or even Close appears again for more than A thousand years Archaeologists who first Examined the lumps of bronze in May 1902 Noted tiny gear wheels and inscriptions In Greek they cleaned And examined other lumps and were able To piece together some Kind of device 33 by 17 by 9 centimeters, by 9 centimeters. I thought it was going to be a 19. (laughs) 33 by 17 by 9 centimeters. You chew the math. Eventually, researchers had 82 pieces in all, including 30 interlocking gear wheels and an astoundingly modern-looking piece of technology that inspired more questions than answers. To make matters more tantalizing, researchers only had one third of the device, they estimated. Mm-hmm. So, the Antikythera mechanism would have to wait for decades until X ray imaging in the 1970s and 1990s revealed that the device must have replicated the motions of the heavens. Holding it in your hands, you could track the paths of the sun, moon, and planets. With impressive accuracy One investigator dubbed it Quote unquote An ancient Greek computer (laughs) But the x-ray images Were difficult to interpret So mainstream historians Ignored the artifact Even as it was championed By fringe writers Such as our buddy Eric Von Daniken (laughs) Who claimed it came From an alien spaceship Of course It wasn't until 2006 that the Antikythera Mechanism captured broader attention. That year, Mike Edmonds of Cardiff University in Wales and his team published CT scans of the fragments, revealing more details of the inner workings as well as hidden inscriptions and triggering a burst of scholarly research. Jake, what else do you know about the Antikythera Mechanism before I go on? It's aliens. The Antikythera mechanism was similar in size to a mantel clock, which is a standard analog clock of maybe eight or so inches across. The size of a man. (laughs) Who can tell you a thing or two? (laughs) And bits of wood found on the fragments suggest it was housed in a wooden case. Like a clock, the case would have had a large circular face with rotating hands. There is a knob or handle on the side for winding the mechanism forward or backward. And as the knob turned, trains of interlocking gear wheels drove at least seven hands at various wow. speeds. Damn. Instead of yeah, it's mind boggling. You can find diagrams online and I mean it's akin to a very complex clock, basically. Sure. And not self powered,
0: it's something you have to hand move, right? But it just, Correct. But the inter interplay between the different moving parts is super fucking cool.
1: Yes. Instead of hours and minutes, the hands displayed celestial time. One hand for the sun, one for the moon, and one for each of the five planets, visible to the naked eye at the very least. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. A rotating black and silver ball showed the phase of the moon. Inscriptions explained which stars rose and set on any particular date. There were also two dial systems on the back of the case, each with a pin that followed its own spiral groove like the needle on a record player. One of these dials was a calendar. Boom, calendar. The other showed (laughs) the timing of lunar and solar eclipses. So an incredible piece of technology. Yeah. Very tantalizing. Makes me wish we could see what other technologies and insights were available to folks 2,000 years ago and beyond. I mean, we're unquestionably more technologically advanced now in some ways, but in others, it gives you that weird uh, nostalgia, as it were.
0: Yeah, and a lot of stuff had to be done purely analog. It required a lot of very careful measurement and super cool engineering and stuff. I think the reason this came up briefly in the episode that we did is when we were talking then about really cool technology made back in the day. I think I did ancient... Greek or Roman robots? I believe so. Yes, <laughs> you automaton. did. Automatons. Yes. But, uh... Automatons. <laughs> <Out of> <laughs> people made really cool stuff for a long time, and then uh, we've just for- we gotten so used to things either being mass-produced or things just not having as many visible moving parts or whatever, and then just uh, the idea of anyone ever making that stuff seems like, oh, it's impossible. It had to have been made by
1: aliens, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, Truly amazing So among The missing parts of The Antikythera mechanism are Those that drove the planetary Pointers mm-hmm. leading to debate about Exactly how they moved
0: Those are the minute hand, millennium hand And eon
1: hand, correct? Uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> Because planets Orbit the sun when viewed from earth They appear to wander back and forth In the sky the Greeks explained this motion with epicycles, small circles superimposed on a larger orbit. So according to Michael Wright, who's a former curator at London Science Museum, who has studied the mechanism longer than they say in this article, anyone, it modeled epicycles with trains of small gears riding around larger gears as they rotated around inside of the mechanism. Wow um some experts have dismissed this as beyond the greek's abilities however jones in this article says he will alexander jones says he will publish evidence supporting the idea later this year this was written back in 2015 jones has since published at least a few things on the antikythera mechanism it's definitely his his, like uh bread and butter say what on Infowars, yeah exactly i know (laughs) it was really tickling me that they happened to share that name that's very unfortunate um we can include a link to one of his papers in the proceedings of the american philosophical society from 2018 so three years after this was written uh in which he tells the full story i've yet to read too much of it but he goes on at length if anyone's interested All right, back to it. So although the Antikythera mechanism was complex, it is thought the Greeks also used it in pursuit of ancient ideas. For example, they put a great emphasis on eclipses. They believed that an eclipse could signify an imminent famine, uprising or war. Quote, things like eclipses were regarded as having ominous significance, notes Jones. And it made sense for the Greeks to see a link between, quote, these things that are purely astronomical with things that are more cultural like the Olympic games and calendars, which is astronomy in service of religion and society with astrology, um, which is pure basically religion. So aside from capturing epicycles and eclipses inscriptions on the mechanism itself hint at where it was actually made. Paul Iverson, a classicist at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, reports that the calendar includes month names used in Corinth and its colonies in Northwest Greece. A dial that displayed the timing of major athletic festivals, including the Olympics, lists Na, A festival held in Northwest Greece, that's NAA, and Haleia, H-A-L-I-E-I-A, held to the south on the island of Rhodes. Perhaps the mechanism was made in Rhodes and was being shipped north. The tradition of making such mechanisms could be much older. Cicero wrote of a bronze device made by Archimedes in the 3rd century BC. And James Evans, a historian of astronomy at the University of Puget Sound in Tacoma, Washington, thinks the eclipse cycle represented is Babylonian in origin, which begins Ooh. in 205 BC. Maybe it was Hipparchus or... An astronomer in Rhodes around that time Who worked out the math behind the device He is known for having blended The arithmetic based Predictions of Babylonians with geometric Theories favored by the Greeks Others have speculated That the device originated in the workshop Of the ancient philosopher Poseid- Poseidon Uh Poseidonius, uh, Poseidonius. Who was also called out by Cicero, and also evidently made models of the heavens out of bronze. Mm. So whoever made the mechanism, you better believe they were probably Greek, <laughs> and you should understand that the Greek, uh, the ancient Greeks, had quite the scientific understanding about the world, even about the cosmos in which they lived, and that is super cool. Yeah. As one article carries on, it's also a window into how the Greeks saw their universe. They came to believe that nature worked according to predefined rules, like a machine, which was an approach that sort of formed the basis of our modern Western scientific views. Uh, Mike Edmonds at Cardiff University argues that this, quote, mechanical philosophy uh, must have developed as a two-way process in that the ancient mechanics who captured the cosmos in bronze weren't just modeling astronomy. Astronomical theories They were also inspiring them mm-hmm. But then Just last March <laughs> A group at University College London Known as the UCL Antikythera Research Team Which includes the article writer Mathematician and filmmaker Tony Freeth Published a new analysis of the machine So the team also includes Adam Wojcik uh, Lindsay MacDonald Georgia Georgiakopoulou And two grad students Dave Higgin and Eris Decanalis. And their paper puts forward a new explanation for the gearing on the front of the mechanism where the evidence had previously been unresolved. So, as much as we kind of get the gist of what this thing was for, you know, there's still lots of room to figure out just exactly how it worked, as it Mm -hmm. were.
0: Hasn't Uh, someone
1: tried to make, like, a
0: recreation of it to try and get it to actually work?
1: There are many mock-ups, yeah. There are both physical and tons of digital renders of Mm -hmm. how this thing could have worked of course we're missing huge amounts of it so there's lots of room for speculation but at the end of the day you know folks know what it was trying to do so it's just a matter of filling in the gaps
0: and with ct technology you can totally take the whole thing apart and figure out what parts are where and then recreate it like you said digitally first and clean it all up there are
1: shockingly complex uh, figures out there of uh what this thing was supposed to look like inside it's crazy yeah. but yeah freeth freeth claims they now have an even better appreciation for the sophistication of the device and they're they're ready to offer their kind of take they the article is awesome this is the scientific american article highly recommend folks check it out if nothing else just for the um the figures that they feature Uh, But they also do the nicest job of summarizing the arc of the mechanism sort of like researched journey to date Hmm, That's cool. He eventually hones in so I mean I could have just read that for today But I figured why not just go the other routes he eventually hones in on the project that they tackled which I will struggle to summarize for us here, but basically as we all gather Antikythera mechanism is insanely complex very artfully crafted among the many directions one could look, Alexander Jones, who I've mentioned before, discovered that the mechanism's period records, so basically like how it counts time for different things mm-hmm. uh, for Venus and Saturn were actually quite accurate for its time hmm. even closer to so basically how how long does it take for Venus or Saturn to get around the sun, yeah. Um, they were even better than the Babylonians estimations, which Mm -hmm. would have been sort of the, uh, the standard of the day prior to the Greeks. Yeah. Uh, but he never figured out how the Greeks figured this out, let alone how they got the mechanism to reflect it. And long story, perhaps overly short, Freeth's team did, (laughs) they figured it (laughs) out (laughs) using CT scans. Um, and they... Dug through some tomes to discover that the Greeks actually did have like a practice for how they could rate period time on these planets, but to actually put that into the mechanism was part of the question as well. And I guess Freeth's team determined that some of the gear mountings and the way they interlocked and the tooth count and all this would have set up for just the right kind of ratio ratio exactly uh between gears so that in just one giant single motion piece it could accurately capture the the timing and motion of so many celestial bodies uh all at once so so good and pretty overwhelming and astounding yeah um
0: like yeah the the principle behind it you can get to make sense for yourself think okay if you can time how long each one of those things orbit is exactly in, in whatever units if you use days whatever it is that they had available to them then you could have a numeric representation of each one and just say, okay what is each one relative to the others and then have that be your gear
1: ratios exactly
0: but like to get them all to work together to get it exactly right like oh
1: boy it's madness Yeah, all to anchor back to, I'm guessing, a single crank, too. Yeah. So you're just, like, going forward or reverse on the entirety of, like, the cosmos. Astounding. So way to go, ancient Greeks. Um, And, yeah, the Antikythera mechanism, uh, a very real empirical thing that feels like something from another world. Yeah. Yeah and is for imagining
0: other calendars (laughs) very good well thank you so much for sharing that that was very enlightening I learned a whole lot more than I already ever knew about that including how to pronounce it yay not very much thank you take it away before I take over how about we uh, thank some of the very dear listeners who helped make this show possible Let's do it. And uh, we do that, of course, in a, a segment called Pander, which uh, is really referring to a function on a computer, this this arcane computer we have here, the NCAA device, a name which will make sense in a couple of weeks, theoretically, and <laughs> uh, we have a function that we've added on to it, which I will start up now, and uh, using this function, uh, the patron appreciation neural dive for evaluation of risk, we <laughs> will be able to tap into the dark ether by plugging these cords into the backs of our skulls to connect to our brains. There we go. And uh. now we can uh, <laughs> initiate the mind link, focus on individual patrons, and thus be able to tell what cryptid creature, creepy crawly, each one of them personally needs to be on the lookout for. Beginning wow. with...
1: Louise Esparza. Esparza.
0: Watch out for... Luis, look out for the Goatman. The Goatman. The Goatman is a humanoid cryptid most commonly associated with Louisiana, Maryland, and Tejas. It it's kind of spooky, isn't it? <laughs> it, it? picture is pretty. It's like a, a trail camera thing. Um, this may have come up, I think, a while back. You might have covered some sort of. Yes, Goatman.
1: we talked about Goatman, or Goatman, excuse me. Joel Goatman. Joel Goatman, <laughs> aka the greatest of all time monster, extreme, nightmare. Um yeah, a million episodes ago. And uh kinda like the grunge. It's kinda like the grunge. <laughs> it yes. also includes things like
0: the Pope Lick monster, you got some other stuff sometimes under bridges, sometimes not. Uh generally scary. Sometimes it's uh, thought to be an, an experiment gone wrong. Sometimes it's some kind of devil adjacent thing. Um but in general if you see a person with a goat's head, you don't want to hang out with that goat head person.
1: It's honestly really good advice for all of us to avoid any kind of bipedal goat creature yes. of any kind unless you wish to live deliciously. Yes, or you are actually the heir to the throne of the fairy people. Uh, which is a horrifying space to be in as well. Yeah. I know, Also don't go to Maryland. And thank you so
0: much <laughs> for you your very support. I really appreciate it. Uh, now we're going to focus on Spark, Spark Hazel. Hazel of Logan, Logan, Utah Logan Spark Hazel You gotta watch out for U-Guru N'Guru Vilu. Oh, oh, the banner at N'Guru Vilu Or Fox Snake well, That, il- that illustration definitely gives you the Fox Snake uh, wow. Idea this Creature found in the Mapuche religion of Chile Wow, looks like a Chinese Dragon in this art but foxy. Oh, that one has a hand at the end of its tail. That's fun. It does. Uh, It Um, comes from the ethnic religion of the Mapuche, river-dwelling creature, and looks much like a strange fox. I'll say it's a pretty strange fox. Uh, It's got a a long body similar to a snake, long tail, with fingernails that it uses like claws.
1: Wow. You could just call them claws. Yeah. Basically, if you see a very long fox... (laughs) that is just so incredibly (laughs) long-bodied and swimming, you must turn around. The longer, the worse. Yes. (laughs) The danger is proportional to body length overall, so... (laughs) For sure. If straight-up serpentine, you gotta just get the heck out. And do not try and high-five a fox's tail. Yeah, you may be inclined to do so because it looks like a poorly drawn hand, but it is... Uh, (laughs) Fingerdales.
0: But Spark Hazel, Louise, thank you both so much for supporting us on the old Patreon. Uh, Your support really helps us make this damn thing possible. Um, If you want to get your own cryptid creature thingy calculated by Pander, all you gotta do is be a patron at any level. Uh, You'll be entered into the algorithm. You'll also get immediate access to our Discord. You'll get access to our backlog of a whole bunch of really fun curated outtakes put together oh, for every yeah. month's worth of episodes and uh, you'll also get if you're one of the first 100 patrons which currently you're likely to be <laughs> you will get <laughs> our uh, super duper Belgian beer glass what other things at other levels can people hope to get Wyatt
1: we got these outtakes you already said do we see the mini
0: already mini soads you get weekly mini soads we're at a point now because we've been so off our game making the main episodes we've tried to get into a groove now of making a mini episode every week regardless of how busy we are even if we're too busy to properly research a main episode we're still gonna make a bang out of mini episodes so if you want to hear us uh, that is one way to do so
1: so do do jump on board we love having you we love for anyone who's out there who already has jumped into the Patreon, we really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. It's mm-hmm. it's a real treat to get to make this. And uh, yeah, consider jumping on board. Also, did you already see the Belgian the beer glass thing? I
0: did. It's very fun glass. You gotta the end get of one. Me then tulip style. Oh, it's very pretty. Good. Our logo on the side. You you can't have, have no one it. lip glass. <laughs> and uh, let's have a look at the thing for our brains. <whistles> ah, yeah, uh, much better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well then, I think it's time that I move on to my shit. Ooh. And shit it up, son. <laughs> I got shit so hard. <laughs> uh, oh boy. <laughs> so, I'm going to begin with a little teaser from uh, backpackerverse.com. Part of the Death Valley National Park, Hell's Gate is a great place to go horse riding, but it's an even better place to spot a ghost. Ooh. if you ride up in the hills toward the old signal tower you may come across a burn site according to local records a house burned down in the 1980s killing a nanny and two children huh. many have seen the nanny lurk around a woman Ooh. even clicked a picture of her near the ruins but we will be damned if you're going to get to see it yeah I actually do think later on it's a separate thing I, I may have found that photo we'll see it but um I at least in this one they did not link to any indication of any photo um hmm. The children are just as active. After going through a quote-unquote cold spot, a couple were surprised to see a toy on the road. The same toy kept on appearing in front of them as they rode by. Scared, they rode faster, but the same toy kept appearing ahead. Finally, they rode back and left quickly. Hmm. Okay. So This is the entirety of their entry, at least in this article, for the terrifying location known as Hell's Gate in Corona, California. Huh. That's Hell's with no apostrophe, which is not to be confused with Hell's Gate Campground way up in Hayfork, Fork, uh, nor indeed with Hell's Gate in Death Valley National Park, which is some 237 miles north of Corona. Wow. Okay. There's a lot of Hell's Gates. Yeah, you may have noticed that the article began by making that exact mix-up with Death Valley oh, National no. Park. Oh, God. Uh, before you ask, no, this is not the gates of hell. Those are 38 miles west in Asieta Heights. Uh-huh. And Wyatt, no, stop interrupting. This also is not Devil's Gate. That's in Pasadena. Devil's Gate? Now that we've fully cleared all of that up, we can check out a slightly more thorough article on that same website, backpackerverse.com. So here is the full legend of hell's no apostrophe gate in Corona, California. Of multiple hell's gate. Mm-hmm. begins thusly ever heard the perfect scary legend where's the calendar part just buckle up there motherfucker you know the kind that curls your toes and your hair and keeps you from being able to sleep at night no matter how exhausted you are from not sleeping the previous night because of the same story here's a good one (laughs) and uh by a good one you just know they mean one that really basks in and exaggerates all of the most lurid details so we all have that to look forward to um, Make it lurid. <laughs> There's this house, or there used to be, at least thirty years ago or so. It was called the Ganal Ranch, but it's burned down now, and all that's left is a messy, scorched basement filled with a few mm-hmm. items that weren't stolen over time. And mm-hmm. there were sm- uh, there were too smoked damaged to be stolen and fenced. You know the items well because you've been here before. You've mm-hmm. noticed how the items seem to have moved around by themselves each time you left and come uh, each time you've left and come back. And you know you're the only person who could ever have gone there because this is a scary story.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <clears throat> At first you're able to convince yourself that it's just someone else coming along and moving them. Then you feel the cold spots in the remains of the house and you feel the presence of whatever still lurks there from the previous tragedy. Ch-ch-ch-chilly. you just sort of know that those things didn't get moved around, even though you were just noticing that you were creeped out that they moved
1: around. Yeah, exactly.
0: Something moved them. And it wasn't anything natural. I guess I should give these sentences a chance to cancel each other out.
1: Yeah, it's true. The legend is this
0: mom and okay. dad leave the house for the weekend and the kids are being watched by the babysitter. The babysitter mm. possessed either by Satan or at the very least by her own teenage angst comes mm. to be under the impression just that, just that the thing is bad. Oh, you know it. Uh, that the thing to do is to lock. Actually, I did cut out the part where they said, and who's to say, which is worse.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, uh, the Who thing to is, do though?
0: is to lock the two children into the
1: basement. I and guess like a family psychologist would be the one. <laughs> yes. And
0: then she gets the directive from somewhere to burn the house down. So she promptly does herself and the two kids inside. Oh boy. The babysitter seems to have faded into obscurity. Perhaps the victim of an undiagnosed mental illness. Perhaps the victim of something more sinister. In either mm-hmm. case, she disappears from the tale. The children, mm-hmm. however, seem to be out to seek revenge residents of corona have experienced very strange things near the burn site Hmm. you notice things each time that you visit the house we're back in the second person now and Mm -hmm. by this point it's really become an obsession so you can't exactly stop (laughs) you notice that sometimes there are toys in the basement and you know that they weren't there before just like how you know that they weren't put there by anyone they just appeared You notice the shadows that move in funny ways. You notice the things, uh, you notice the feelings of gloom that surround the place where the old house used to be. (laughs) And then one day, when you're just right for what she needs, you actually see one of the children face to face. She sees you through a face which has been horribly mangled by the ravages of fire. And incredibly, through the mostly gone flesh and the sinews and musculature, with eyes (laughs) devoid of eyelids shining bright (sighs) and with blood running down her chin. She smiles at you. He'll do just fine. Okay. So that's the end of their little, their little urban legendified version of it. Pretty scary. But yeah, it's just kind of an area in the desert where you can <laughs> see the burned-out foundation of a house from a while ago, and where teens go to do teen stuff, and parents assume that that stuff is devil worship. Yep. I can show you a couple of photos of the area. Mostly Please all do. I could find were shitty YouTube videos of people, quote-unquote, investigating the site. Um, a couple of photos are, I think, thumbnails and stuff from that. So, here's the first one, which is uh, just kind of the general area, what stuff looks like. Just It's just, huh. it's foundation with a bunch of, it's heavily tagged with graffiti. Graffiti. As you might expect. Uh, and then we got this second one, which is uh, friggin' someone brought their kids there, I guess, at nighttime. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is a little kind of obelisk looking thing. It says, welcome to hell
1: with a, a pentagram on it. People have this is uh, some fun family adventures here. Yep.
0: Take your kids to an abandoned, uh, burnt-out house in the middle of the desert at night. Mm-hmm. That's those two. I think that's it for sharing for now. I'll come back in a moment. Um,
1: oh, my.
0: Uh, if we go to hauntedplaces.org, the article oh about Hell's Gate, it's incredibly brief. It's like a, barely a paragraph, but the comments are
1: actually full pretty, of good stuff. Pretty promising name.
0: Hell, yeah! Hauntedplaces.org does suggest you're going to get something... More relevant. Pretty spooky. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the article is barely anything at all, but the comments are full of all kinds of stuff. So,
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, those,
0: for example, a user named Barbara Andrews posted a photo in 2016. So I'll go to Ooh. one of those. A photo on like a, a tablecloth, uh, like a tartan tablecloth It's just kind of a yeah, photo. So here, Ooh, some of those okay. obelisk type things, I think. Uh, and they say keep out on them. I don't know if this is before or after they're someone. They're like spray painted on. spray painted on. I'm not sure if this is before. Basically it's like
1: vandalism.
0: Yes, but um it's possible that this the keep out was put there by the property owners. Yeah. Uh, cuz like everyone who goes there is just trespassing. <laughs> oh, wait, what's this over here? Let's zoom in. Ooh. Oh, kind of a creepy, faceless woman. It seems like hiding behind oh, this one little thing. That's spooky. So it's a little on the creepier side. Kind of a neat yeah. thing. So I'll post these photos for people to take a look at. Kind of cool.
1: Yeah, a little spooky. A little spooky. Yeah.
0: yeah. So uh, the most useful thing we find in the comments, however, about this location originally known as Ganal Ranch, comes from someone whose name is Carrie Ganal. Uh oh. Carrie comments in 2020, quote. B.S. story. This was my family's ranch. Ha! Fire was caused by my great-uncle who had dementia. No other family there, no young couple, no deaths, nothing creepy ever. No children, just a family home that was accidentally set on fire by an old man. Actually, no children have even lived there since the 1950s, and I can assure you they all lived well into old age. End quote. From Ganahl's mouth to yours. Yes. A little further back in the comments, we see that a user named John said in 2017, quote, this was the Ganal ranch the story about this place is bs the old man suffering from the onset of dementia accidentally <laughs> set the house on fire while trying to light his fireplace with kerosene no one died oh, no he passed away a few years later in a senior living facility i used to hang out up there and talk with mr ganal back in the late 70s and early 80s and then Carrie replied to this comment this is totally correct this was my family's ranch and my great uncle lived there he lived there alone and the fire was completely accidental no deaths no creepy story just a fire accidentally set an old man <laughs> end of story so that is the story of hell's gate and now all of this as you very rightly guessed is an extremely smooth setup to the fact that corona california is also the home of one of the 29 locations of the restaurant chain marie calendars pro oh, connection achieved <laughs> boom i uh this
1: all felt like a reason to come visit it had <laughs> that flavor
0: uh yeah, after we stopped recording the last episode and we said we're going to do calendars, I immediately called dibs on Marie Calendars and then immediately wow. had a real hard time finding a way to make this about Marie Calendars. That is amazing. But the Marie Calendar restaurant in Corona, buddy, you know this one's haunted. Buddy, you know it. To get the full scoop on this, I had to make another ill-advised and extremely dangerous solo journey into the Shadowlands. Ooh, I'm glad you survived. I am too. It was worth it for, for the pod. So what he says <laughs> the there pod. is, there are many stories. One night in the kitchen area, sorry, I got their punctuation, right? There are many stories. One night in the kitchen area, a few of the workers were doing side work and a few others were in the bar after closing And a big metal pie cutter, flew off a shelf onto the counter on the opposite side of the room a few feet away.
1: Oh God, terrifying.
0: There are now many witnesses who believe that strange things were occurring at our store. Servers reported trays flying at their heads in the dishwasher's area, and salt and pepper shakers, one word, (laughs) once empty were full. So, helpful. Helpful. Ghost pepper. GP. The spookiest always happened to the vendors who cleaned the restaurant. The carpets would be cleaned on a monthly basis, and they would always come in pairs. Something Mm. would always happen. Strange sounds, floating balloons, TVs being turned on, etc. All these things could be explained by scientific methods, electric currents and helium-filled balloons losing air. Whatever was going on in that building after the employees left <laughs> was bad enough that the carpet cleaners would never come alone. Ooh. On the occasions that they would come alone, they would come right at closing and be done before we would finish closing the store. On one a lot occasion, of jokes
1: to be made.
0: <laughs> on one occasion, a lone carpet cleaner decided he would do it by himself after the employees left the building saying that all the stories were hogwash. The next morning, the opening manager found him in his truck in the parking lot with all of his carpet cleaning materials left inside the building.
1: And he was dead.
0: And he was dead.
1: (laughs) He (laughs) refused to step (laughs) foot into the restaurant and
0: complete the job. He wanted to get his equipment and get out. Seems while he was in the building, the entities played with him more than they played with anyone else. As he was shampooing the carpets, things were being written by a non-existent finger in the soap. chairs (laughs) chairs were moved <laughs> in the dining room and salt and pepper shakers again one word flew now, does him. that
1: mean a non-existent finger was writing it in the soap or does that mean that things were being written by a finger by a non-existent finger in the soap do you know what i'm saying nope was a non-existent finger in the soap writing things or was a non-existent <laughs> finger writing things in the soap That's i see my, the
0: wording does make that unclear that I, is my, my question <laughs> My guess would be the <laughs> latter, but we will never really know for sure. Uh, unless we go and clean the carpets at this particular yes, calendar. Yes, yes. The carpet yes. guys from then on always came promptly at closing, and no one was left alone in the building. Mm, so there you there have you it, guess. Wyatt. Corona, California is deeply haunted, but also not, but also yes, and also oh,
1: calendars. Yeah. Thank you. Good night. Wow. A very merry time indeed. <laughs> Thank you, Jake. A suitably Marie Calendars romp (laughs) through a very Marie Calendars series of posts.
0: And thank you, listeners, for listening to the show.
1: (laughs) Yes, we really appreciate it. Uh, We will try to, as ever, continue to produce this show. Yep. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Shit's wild. It is. Uh, Uh,
0: Think about Ukraine. For sure. We'll post links in the episode notes for, I mean, in the time between the last episode and this one, so much shit has gone down both in this country and in Europe. Good golly gosh. Um, so we're going to post some gosh. links to ways you can help folks in Ukraine. Yes. Um, as well as uh, ways to help trans children around the US. A lot of stuff we need to help out with any way we can. So we'll post links for that. Please do what you can. Yes. Uh, otherwise we will hopefully have an episode out fairly soon Now, depending on when the next one is it might be March Madness or if Ooh. it is next week it'll be about bugs
1: Ooh, I like that bugs it is and uh, yeah we'll look forward to seeing you guys there thank you so much see you okay, soon bye, bye. we done did oh
0: yeah happy St. Patrick's Day bye
1: it